Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we're going to do a study before the study. So if you would turn to 2 Timothy 3, 1-17. 2 Timothy 3, 1-17. If you're new or visiting, I believe as a pastor that it's very important to warn the sheep, to educate the sheep, to help sheep be aware of what is going on. For God so loved the world. God loves all 8 billion people on the face of the earth. Jesus died for every single person on the face of the earth. But we're living what we believe here at Calvary in the last days, and so we want to be educated so that we're not surprised at what's going on. We might be grieved. You should be grieved, and I'm sure most of you are. It's very grieving what's going on. But we shouldn't be surprised about what's going on because the Bible told us it was going to happen. Jesus said very specifically, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. It will be as it was in the days of Lot. Not might be, kind of, sort of, hope it doesn't happen. No, it will be. And so, 2 Timothy 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy. Now that word men there is mankind, not just males. So when you, oftentimes we hear men... You should instantly think of males because there is only males and females. That's just the way it is. Bible teaches that. Science teaches that. But sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper. I'm not a Greek scholar. You can get the books. That word men there is mankind. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Interesting. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Very interesting. The Super Bowl, uh, a Christian organization, and I did some research. They are a Christian organization. They're not going woke. They're not doing social justice. They're trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. They bought two ads to run into the Super Bowl tonight about Jesus. Of course, the world is ecstatic about ecstatic. Uh, they're mad about it. They're upset about it. How could you do such a thing? Well, they each they paid $7 million dollars for a 30-second ad. Twice. I could do a lot with $14 million. We've got a lot of missionaries that could do a lot. But you know, this is what they feel called to do. It's all done by donations, businesses, individuals. Anyone can donate to it. But very interesting. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Very important there. Religion has an appearance of godliness. Keep that in mind. And from such people, what? Embrace? What does your Bible say to do? Okay, so don't blame the pastor. There's a, there's a reason why. Now, we love them and we warn them, but be very, very careful who you fellowship with. And that's what this is regarding. Turn away. Don't have intimate fellowship with such people. It's danger, and it will lead you, it will lead me, down a road that we don't want to go down. Influence. Someone's going to influence you, or you're going to influence someone. That happens all day long. So it's about influence. So we're to turn away. 
For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jannes and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. For they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to alls, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Notice this is very important. Doctrine is lacking in most churches today. In most churches today, it's a feel-good study. Pat you on the head and send you on the way. You're a good person. Don't worry about hell. And many churches will not even talk about hell. Well, hell doesn't exist. Yes, hell exists. Jesus talked about hell. God sends no one to hell. We choose to go there ourselves. God sends nobody to hell. If you reject Jesus as your Savior, you have chosen to go to hell. Do not blame God. So doctrine is very important. Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's what I'm going to focus on this morning in this study before the study. If you want to live today in a godly manner, a biblical manner, not, not a religious manner, but a biblical manner, a truly godly biblical manner, you are going to suffer persecution. There's a promise right there for you. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that's what I want to emphasize of this study before the study. There's a tremendous amount of deception that is taking place, even within supposedly the churches under the banner of Christianity. But what's Paul's exhortation to Timothy, a young pastor? But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage all the young people that are sitting here this morning, please read your Bible. I will not do a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I'd venture to say that most adults, most Christian adults, do not read their Bible every single day. They bring it with them to church. They might do a verse for a devotion, but they're not doing a systematic study from Genesis to Revelation. And I know that because I counsel people, and the answer is typically no, 99 out of 100 times. Guys, this is the church. You need to be in your Bible. We are in the last days. Young people, you need to be in your Bible because they are coming specifically after young people, which you'll see in a few minutes. And again, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures were able to make you wise for salvation through, Jesus, through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture, all, all. In the Greek, all is all. That's all. That's, just, that's what it is, all. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Notice first and foremost, for doctrine. We have to have doctrine. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete man or woman, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Very, very important. Now I'm going to read some articles here. We've got plenty of time for Bible, so don't panic. 
The Church of England's first non-binary priest says queer people are a blessing to the church. A non-binary priest is now serving openly in the Church of England's clergy, and they say a higher power helped them to embrace their gender identity. In the interview with the Liverpool Echo published Monday, Bingo Allison, a 36-year-old parent of three, said that although they were raised in a strong religious household where they, and a non-binary person is someone that, you know, they're not sure if they're male or female, and their pronouns are they and them, improper English totally, but besides that, just utterly confused. Household where they were taught that being LGBTQ was sinful. They've since come to regard their identity as a connection to the divine. It was a deepening, now in quotes from Bingo, it was a deepening spiritual experience. I properly felt God was guiding me into this new truth about myself, Allison explained. One of the things that has kept with one of the things that has kept with my ministry ever since is that transition and coming out can and should be a spiritual experience, as well as an emotional and social and sometimes physical one. There is something beautiful about growing into who we are created to be and growing into our authentic selves. You know that last statement I think is true. God designed you. And he wants you to come forth beautiful, not outward appearance necessarily, but for his glory, becoming a believer. Because they grew up in such a repressive and anti-trans environment, Allison recalled, being trans themselves was so far from beyond my imagination as to be unthinkable. That repression sometimes manifested as queer phobia from Allison himself. As they put it, I was definitely in a lot of denial, and some of that denial came out in denial of other people's identities. But coming out and reframing their thinking changed all that. Now, Allison says, their new way of thinking has led them to believe LGBTQ people are a blessing to the church. Notice what I'm emphasizing. The church. He is a priest of the Church of England. Find that connection with the divine wherever you can and however you can. Though Allison believes they may be the first non-binary priest in the Church of England, they're far from the first trans Christian priest in general. Trans people have been in clergy for decades, and several have become high-profile religious leaders in recent years. Alexa Salvador became Brazil's first openly transgender pastor in 2022. There's a lot of doctrinal problems with that statement right there. And Megan Rohrer became the Evangelical Lutheran's church first trans bishop the same year. In quotes now from her, I hope that my installation will remind us that we can love God, love our bodies, love our partners, and love beautiful diversity of this world. The more the leadership in the church looks like the full diversity of the world. Okay, did you hear that? The more the leadership in the church looks like the full diversity of our world, the more the church will be able to speak to all the people who are out and about around our planet. That's something on which Allison and Rohner definitely agree, as Allison hopes their position will show gender-diverse youth that they are loved and supported even in faith communities where LGBTQ plus identities are not normally tolerated. When I'm wearing my collar, it lets children know that this is okay, Allison told the Echo. 
and that there is a place in church and outside the world for people like me. Can we get an amen? No, we cannot get an amen. That is not doctrinally sound. The, L, the, church, of LG, uh, the church of LGBTQ, the Church of England issued a formal apology to the LGBTQ members of the Anglican Communion who have felt excluded by the institution even as officials decide to continue to bar same-sex marriages in their churches. We want to apologize, now in quotes, from the church itself. We want to apologize for the ways in which the Church of England has treated LGBTQI plus people, both those who worship in our churches and those who do not. The bishops of the church wrote in the Living Living in Love and Faith, a report released Friday, following a six-year consultation period. Six years? Consultation period? To figure this out? About identity, sexuality, relationships, and marriage. It doesn't take that long. Ephesians 5.25. Does anybody know Ephesians 5.25? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. In the beginning, God created them male and female. Okay, you just learned it in 30 seconds. You just wasted all those years for nothing. Goes on to say, for the times we have rejected or excluded you and those you love, we are deeply sorry. The statement continued. The occasions on which we have re- you have received a hostile and homophobic response in our churches are shameful, and this we repent. I agree. I agree. We should not treat anyone with disregard or disrespect. God loves them. We love them. God loves every single person, but that doesn't mean that God condones what everything a single person is doing. So. We want to treat everyone with love and respect. As we have listened, we have been told time and time again how we failed the LGBTQI plus people. We have not loved you as God loves you, and that is profoundly wrong. We affirm publicly and unequivocally that the LGBTQI people are welcome and valued. We are all children of God. Is that doctrinally correct? No, that is not doctrinally correct. We are all made in the image of God. That's why we respect every single human being, born and unborn, those who are in the womb, which I don't know if you realized or not, but Minnesota, they just signed a law that 12 years old and up can have an abortion in the state of Minnesota up until the day of birth. Anyone, for any reason, and the taxpayers will cover it. If you're under 18, your parents do not need to be notified. That's the bill that was just signed into legislation in Minnesota. Very nice, eh? 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 Stunner. Bishop calls cops because Christian man holds biblical beliefs. A bishop in the Church of England has called police and reported a member to police. So a member of the church. Because the member holds biblical beliefs. In the Decision magazine that has documented the situation involving the attack from the Anglican Bishop of Coventry, England, on church member Sam Margrave, Christian Concern explained that Margrave already has been the target of death threats from the LGBT activist because he has argued on social media against queer theory, which targets Christianity and Judaism with the goal of smashing heteronormativity, the belief that a normal relationship is between a man and a woman. His offense was 
a triggering event for the bishop when, was when he, as a lay member of the Church of England's governing general synod, proposed last year a debate on the issue of LGBTQ agenda. The report explained his motion proposed that the synod, affirming that God loves all people, nevertheless, considers that the pride rainbow flag activity and events and what it represents in terms of the ordering of lives and relationships is contrary to the word of God. He cited a long list of biblical references in support, including, and there's many, many verses that he included. Therefore, his motion suggested a call on the House of Bishops to state that support for pride, including use of the rainbow flag, the blessing, participating in, publicizing, resourcing, and endorsement of pride events or flags, is incompatible with the Christian faith, its agenda being contrary to scriptural teaching, church doctrine, and canons of the Church of England. The guy hit it right on the head. The bishop, besides notifying police of Musgrave's dangerous biblical beliefs... Guys, this is reality, okay? Christianity is being attacked in America. If you do not believe and endorse the LGBTQ agenda, you as a Christian are discriminating. That's the word they're using now. You're not speaking the truth in love because you love someone enough to speak the truth. No, you are discriminating against them. That's a very harsh word. Discriminating against them. And you will be punished. Guys, this is 2023. This is happening. The diocese secretary has no option, no option, in view of a number of complaints received, to report your offending tweets to the West Midlands police and his continuing conversation with them. They have advised her that they have been able to speak to you, but that you continue to deny that you have done anything wrong. Has he done anything wrong? Musgrave's response, I am shocked, appalled, and deeply hurt that the bishop and diocese has resorted to reporting me to the police and has essentially thrown me under the bus for standing against sexualization of children and the secularization of the Church of England. I've been repeatedly harassed and threatened. The impact on my well-being has been immense, and the people in the church who should be supporting me the most have closed ranks against me. Decision reported and explained his goals were to protect children and give a voice to parents by standing against the secularization and grooming of children. Huh. Is that it? UN. UN to push religious communities to fully comply with human rights laws to empower LGBTQ plus people. You can read it yourself, but that's the UN. Uh, they're, they're bringing a debate right now up to play. They're giving religion six months to give their input on it. And then six months from now, they're going to give a final say on and what will happen with the UN. I'm sure Islam is just going to bend the knee. No, they are not. They make up one-sixth, I think, one-sixth to one-fifth of the world's population. Uh, Russians, China, they know what a woman is. They know what a man is. India, they know. Guys, this is to bring America down. This is to bring America down because we support missionaries. We support doctrine. We support the truth. So you better get ready. It's just going to go faster and faster and faster. Lastly, for you young people, Canada, 16-year-old suspended and arresting for challenging his school's transgender ideology. 
A Canadian teenager was arrested on Monday after he turned up at his rural Ontario school despite being suspended for expressing his views on transgender policies. Joss Alexander, 16, was suspended in November from where? What do you think he was suspended from? Public school? St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Renfrew, Ontario, a small town 80 miles west of Ottawa. Small town. Small town. Not in the big city. A small town. We're going after you. You're going to pay. Alexander, a devout Christian, said he told his fellow students he believed in only two genders, that students cannot switch between genders, and that students born male should not be permitted into the girls' bathroom. A 16-year-old. Hello? I hope us as adults will take the same stance and be brave enough as his 16-year-old is. The school accused Alexander of refusing to use transgender students' chosen names and said he could only return to school if he agreed to sit out two classes attended by trans students who found his views offensive. In quotes, I expressed my religious beliefs in class and it spiraled out of control. Not everybody's going to like that. That doesn't make me a bully. It doesn't mean I'm harassing anybody. They express their beliefs and I express mine. Mine obviously, listen to this 16-year-old. Mine obviously don't fit the narrative. He's wise beyond his years and I believe it's because he's in the word of God. Lastly, Church of England. You can explore this yourself. Church of England explores gender-neutral God. So they're they're going to get away from his, him, father. It's no more our father. It's not going to be our father. It's going to be general-neutral. Our higher power, most likely, who art in heaven. Guys, this is reality. Under the banner of Christianity. Catholics, and this is not a bash on Roman Catholicism. This is just a reality. They will say that they are Christian. Why do I say that? Well, if I think they make up about one-seventh, between one-seventh and one-sixth of the world's population. Now, if one-sixth to one-seventh of the world's population who say they're Christian believe that this is an acceptable lifestyle, what is that going to make you look like as a Christian? See, this is why you need to know doctrine, and we speak the truth in love. And everyone is welcome, no matter who they are, no matter who they think they are, The wannabes or anybody, they're all welcomed. But we cannot condone what goes against Scripture. We have to take a stand. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11 and see what it might cost us to take a stand. We do not promote hate. Now, after reading all that, I know some people, especially if they're watching on the Internet, if they haven't already turned it off, they're going to say, oh, this guy is promoting hate. Violence, this, that, and the other thing. No, I am not. For God so loves the world. But we have to speak the truth in love. I will not love anyone to hell. That is not what we are called to do as Christians, is to love people to hell. We're to love them to heaven, and that might mean a tough love. But speaking the truth in love. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. And that we're going to stand on solid doctrine. It doesn't matter what people feel. What does the Bible teach? And Father, it doesn't matter how we feel. We are called to love every single person. That doesn't mean we accept. Doesn't mean we condone. Doesn't mean we embrace or endorse. 
But it does mean we have to search our hearts to make sure that we could and that we can, through the power of your Holy Spirit, love every single person. That they might see that love and come to understand that you love them. And that you created them a very specific way for a very specific reason. That they might come to know Jesus as their Savior and move away from their feelings and emotions and move into the facts of the Bible. That you, Father, desire a relationship with anyone who would come to you. Free will. We thank you for free will. So, Father, we pray, give us wisdom in these days we're living in. This is, this is not theoretical any longer. This is reality. The church is being attacked, frontal attack. Our youth are being attacked. Father, I pray for our youth, especially those gathered here this morning, that they would realize this is serious business. This is very serious. As this 16-year-old young man realized, this is very serious. I have to take a stand. And it's costing him. It's costing him. He may go to prison. At 16, this is considered hate speech in Canada. So, Father, I pray for our youth that you will give them supernatural strength as they are living in a socialized world through their phone. They're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid of being mocked. They're afraid of being ridiculed. They're living in fear. Father, your Bible says that you have not given us a spirit of fear. But you've given us a spirit of power, a sound mind, a spirit of love. So I pray specifically for our youth this morning that you would encourage them and strengthen that they would be in their Bibles, that they would spend more time in their Bibles than they do on social media. What a blessing for their lives that would be. And Father, for us adults that will be living epistles, giving them an example of how to love someone that thinks differently. But we still love them. We don't have to accept their lifestyle. But we need to love them. They need to see the love of Christ in action. And again, Father, I just pray, so sad, the stories coming out of Turkey and Syria, Lord. Losing loved ones and those who are coming out alive. Four, five, maybe even now six days, buried alive. Lord, we pray for all the heartache. Yes, they're Muslims predominantly. But Father, you died for them. Your son died for them. They need Jesus. And I know your Holy Spirit is working on their hearts even right now. As they shout, Allah, Allah. The Father, stir their hearts via the Holy Spirit to realize there is a God in heaven. And it's not Allah. It's you, Father. And your son died for them and died for those who perished that they might come to that realization and receive Jesus as their Savior, as so many are, so many are in those countries. We thank you for that, Father. Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching, that you'll be glorified this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, we got to really zip. (coughs) Well, in Corinthians, if you're new or visiting, you're probably going, wow, I can't wait to get out of here. Um, But I just hope that you understand I don't do that out of hate. I don't do that out of disrespect. I do it out of love for the word of God and out of love for people. And none of us should want to love anybody to hell. And I know there's family members that are getting elevated above the word of God. People have left this church because I speak this way. And they have family members that have come out. And they have elevated their family members above the word of God. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that for a family member. You're not loving them to heaven. You're condoning their sin and sending them to hell. 
you have to stand and take a stand. It might cost you dearly. I get that. We're, we've done this with our own children. It's hard to say no. No, we're not doing that. It's hard. I understand it. But you have to keep giving them that example of doctrine. I love you. God loves you. But no, I will not accept what you're doing. Say it very clear. I love you. God loves you. But no, I will not accept what you're doing. You see, Paul is going to share part of his personal testimony with his spiritual children at Corinth that he hasn't shared in any other scriptures. And why would he do that? Well, I think the main reason is to show the difference between true leaders and those who try to fleece the flock. And you might not be familiar with these terms. There are many people who have made the ministry another occupation. I'm just in it to get a paycheck. That's called fleecing the flock. As pastors or anyone in the ministry were to take the Word of God, expound the Word of God, the tough verses, the easy verses, and let people deal with it the way they need to deal with it, with God. I'm not God. You don't have to deal with me. You deal with God. You see, Paul was clearly called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, starting various churches throughout the Roman Empire. He was called to be a teacher of the good news of Jesus being the Christ, that the precious blood of Jesus Christ has atoned for the sins of the world. He was called to be a preacher, calling people to repent of their sinful nation nature. You won't hear that in too many churches today, that people need to repent. Well, what are we, why are we... We're just playing church. If we're not encouraging people to know God personally, we're just playing church and loving people to hell. He was called to be a humble servant, ministering to the needs of the various flocks of God. You see, Paul's callings were many. And we've been gleaning tremendous insights into the attributes of God via the life of Paul. The callings on your life are many. Many. I was called to be a dad at 22 years old. My marriage was in a wreck. We almost got divorced on our second anniversary. Today we celebrate 45 years since our first date. Amen. Today. It just happens to fall on today. Red. And just for you men... Tuesday is a Hallmark day. (laughs) But bless your wife anyways if you're married or your girlfriend. Do something special. What's Tuesday? It's Valentine's Day. You should be doing it every day. Why do they have flowers right before checkout in most stores? So that us knuckleheads will take some flowers home. So just don't wait till the 14th. Do it throughout the year. But anyways, here we go. This morning, we'll see yet another calling upon his life. Many callings. How many of you are called to be moms? How many of you are called to be siblings? How many of you are called to be grandparents? We became a great-grandparent this past year. I'm not old enough to be a great-grandparent, but that's my calling now. Gigi. Ay, ay, ay. Gigi. You have a calling in your workplace. You might be the only Christian in your workplace. That's your calling to be a faithful employer. Maybe you're a manager. That's your calling, to be a faithful manager. Treat your employees with the utmost respect. Deal lovingly, kindly with them. Guys, all of us in this room, we have callings on our lives. So sometimes when we hear this, we lift Paul up like, oh yeah, he had all kinds of callings. Not me. Get out of here. You have a calling to take care of your possessions. That is a calling. You don't want to take care of them? Fine, but you have a calling to do that. God's just loaning them to you. You have many, many callings on your life. How are you seeing those fulfilled? That's what's really important. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 through 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. 
Because we're going to see a calling that no one really desires to have upon their lives, but could become a part of a Christian's life at any moment, especially in these days we're living in. You see, right now, this young man in Canada, and we think, well, that'll never come to America. It's happening in America. You see, the kids, unfortunately, are running our classrooms. Children. Read Isaiah. Isaiah talks about in the last days, women are going to rule and children are going to rule. And we're seeing what's happening. A teacher calls a child the wrong name, they could lose their job. If they continue to use the wrong name that the child wants today and tomorrow might be different, they could lose their job. Who's ruling? Children are ruling. That's just reality. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, for 2 Thessalonians 5, 3, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds towards each other. Notice that. And that's one of the comments we get around here on a regular basis. And I want to commend you guys on that. Because oftentimes when people visit or they start to become a part of the church, they'll say, you know what, this is a very loving church. And it is. It is. Stick around long enough to find out and you will find out, yes, it is. But we're a firm church. God is loving. But God is just. Don't play with God. He will judge. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience And faith in what? In all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Notice what Paul writes to this first century church. You're going through trials. You're going through tribulations. And you're not buckling. You're not caving in. Guys, could you imagine? They estimate. They have no idea. But they estimate three to five million Christians died in the first 300 years of the church. Three to five million. They have no idea. So let's just say three million. Could you imagine if those three million just caved? They said, okay, okay, we don't want nothing to do with it. Would we be here today? No. Is there going to be a church next year in America? Yes, because we're not going to cave. There will always be a remnant of God. But we have to make that personal decision individually. Am I willing to take a stand no matter what? Individually even if it means going underground, as the early church had to do. They had to go underground. Even as a church in China is underground. As many Christians in Muslim countries are underground because they know if they get found out, they will will be executed. Are we willing to take a stand like that? Where we might just get, oh, we're just going to get canceled. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Guys, in other countries, they're going to get executed. It's a little more serious than just canceled. They'll step into heaven, praise God. But what about us? Are we going to take a stand? I believe many of us will. Which, verse 5, is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. Guys, it's worthy to suffer for Christ. Don't be ashamed. Philippians 1 says this, 28 through 30. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This is out of the New Living Translation. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. But that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. Guys, the road is very, very narrow. If you're new here today, the road is very narrow. And it's not because of 2023 Christians. It's because of what Jesus said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is very narrow. So it started with Jesus. 
For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Now, how many of us think of tribulations and persecutions as a privilege? Not too many of us, myself included. But I've been praying and praying and praying, and I desire that to take place when it does happen to say, I thank you, God, for this privilege. You have to get your heart ready because, guys, it's here. It's coming. For we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. This is Paul writing. As we look back into Corinthians... 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen. I say again, let no one think me in a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, I also may boast a little bit. You see, Paul doesn't want to appear as a fool, bragging about himself as if what the Corinthians want to think of him is that. You see, he just wants to share with them his perspective of what a true servant looks like. And the persecution that a believer might have to live through, that you and I just might have to live through, Verse 17, what I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were, were foolishly, in this confidence of boasting. You see, as we read the Gospels, we do not see the Lord boasting about his life. This is what Paul is saying, or the ministry that he had performed. So Paul acknowledges that his boasting is foolishness. It's foolishness. He acknowledges that. Yet the Holy Spirit obviously inspired Paul to write this information down. Again, I think the Lord is showing every believer down through the centuries what can potentially happen in their life. You see, without this list that we're going to get to in this chapter, those who teach that every Christian should be blessed and have no problems whatsoever, the health and wealth nonsense, the blab it and grab it, confess it, possess it, trash, they would have a good argument. But the list gives places, but this list places that argument where it belongs in the trash. Verses 18 and 19, Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. I will also boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. So, unfortunately, they had enough wisdom, but they were putting up with these false teachers, these false apostles who were creeping into the church and saying, no, it's Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation. And they're putting up with that. Today, we're called to put up with the nonsense of, no, it's Jesus plus accepting a lifestyle equals salvation. No, it does not. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. If I have to put anything above the Word of God, then I've added to the Word of God, and that doesn't mean that I'm saved. I'm going to receive repercussions. Because if I add to the Word of God, the Word of God tells me, I will be disciplined. Don't add to the Word of God, and don't take away from the Word of God. Be very, very careful. Because the false teachers were glorying in their flesh, and the Corinthians were putting up with that bragging. Paul reminds them that you had more wisdom than that. For you put up with fools gladly since you yourselves are wise. Verse 20. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. Bondage here means to enslave utterly. You see, going back to trying to meet the requirements of the law for salvation or for any other reason brings a person back into bondage of the law. Remember what Paul wrote? If you break one law, and I believe there's like 613 commandments, if you break one, you've broken them all. In other words, you have to be perfect, and Paul wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. So if you want to go back to the law, you better be perfect, which you will not. So then it brings you into bondage because you'll beat yourself up, like most religious people do. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I was so close to God loving me. Now I gotta say more prayers. Now I gotta give more money. Now I gotta knock on more doors. And I was so close. Very sad. 
So verse 20, for you put up with it, those bring you into bondage, if one devours you. Devours means to eat up, to consume by eating. If one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. They'll have a hard time being content in their walk with the Lord because they will not see themselves as very, being very good enough, as I've already mentioned. We're going to have to skip Romans, but I'd encourage you to take a picture of these for sake time. Take a picture. Romans 3, Romans 4. Romans 3, take a picture of that or write it down. And those are verses that talk about you cannot, you, you could never meet the law. You can never. Paul writing. And then Romans 4. Take a picture or write it down. Some more verses. Very, very important. Romans 4. And then we have Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, this is Paul writing, a religious Pharisee, then Christ died in vain. That means empty, useless. Then the cross is empty, it's useless. Why trust in the cross? Anybody can get to heaven. You see, Paul had not given them an example of exaltation. And I'm sure he personally taught them otherwise, according to what these other apostles, they were coming in and exalting themselves. See, Matthew 23, 12 says, And whoever exalts himself will be abased, and he that humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 22. I'm going to skip some stuff here. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. In other words, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't come in and boast ourselves or put you under bondage. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. So in other words, the Corinthians were looking at Paul as weak due to what these apostles were telling them. So you're saying that I'm weak because I told you the truth and nothing but the truth? Paul goes on to now say, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. You see, this brought suffering into his life, but that was fine with Paul because it was all for the sake of the gospel. Verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I do more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Now here we start getting the list of what might happen to a Christian as far as persecution goes. So when you're having a really bad day and you think that you're being persecuted because somebody flipped you off on the highway, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and really learn what persecution means. You weren't persecuted. Pray for them. Pray for them. Notice this list here. In labors more abundantly. Labors here means intense labored with trouble and turmoil. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure stripes or a blow or a lash given as a form of punishment either by rod or lashes of a whip in Acts 16 23 and when they had laid many stripes on them Paul they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely in Philippi verse 24 from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one according to the law you are not to beat a person with 40 stripes that's humiliation only beat him with 39 wow that's a good deal But here Paul is now getting beat 39 times, five times. Think about this. For what? For the gospel. For telling people they need to repent, that God loves them, that God died, that their son died for them. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And this is not with medicinal marijuana. This is with rocks, literally stoned to death. Three times I was shipwrecked. And this is before his last shipwreck is going to come on his trip to Rome. This all, this all happened. I think it's between Acts 19 and 20. If you read at the end of Acts 19 and the Acts of 20, this, these things all happened prior to that. This life was crazy. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often in perils of waters. Now the word perils here means dangers. Dangers. In dangers of water, in dangers of robbers, in danger of my own countrymen. In other words, the fellow Jews. In danger of the Gentiles, in dangers in the city, in dangers in the wilderness, in dangers in the sea, in dangers among false brethren, even within the church. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things that comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble? I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. Guys, that's quite a list as the music team comes up. That's quite a list for you and I to consider. And and that's why I read those things that I read. Because this is real, guys. Young people... Older saints, you're retired, you think you can just check out. If you check out, that's going to impact every generation below you. Because what you're saying to them is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just go with the flow. No, do not go with the flow. Do you think Paul had any feelings of, I've had enough. I'm just going to go with the flow. I bet he did. But he had the Holy Spirit within him, and the Holy Spirit was right there going, no, you're not. No, you're not, Paul. Get up and go again. You're right. You're right. Let's go for another beating. (laughs) Guys, read the list. How many of us would go through this, myself included? Most of us would have given up after the first beating. Not Paul. After the first shipwreck. I'm not doing that again. After the humiliation, being canceled, thrown out of a city, stoned to death. What, What happened when he was stoned to death? I believe he went to heaven. The scriptures teach. That's a pretty good deal. He saw heaven. Came back. He said, I can't even speak what I saw. It's unlawful to to speak about what I saw. That's the faith though, guys. And so in 2023, young people, older saints, you cannot check out. There's people that are looking to you for the truth. Because there are people that are looking for the truth. There are a lot out there that are, you know... They're children of the devil. That's what the Bible says. If you're not a saved, you're a child of the devil. And they're playing the devil's games. But there are some out there who really want the truth. And how are they going to hear it if you and I don't stand up? If you and I don't take a stand? Guys, you have to take a stand. It might cost you your family. It might cost you your job. It might cost me my job. Pastor L will step up. No, Pastor Drell's first. It might cost Pastor Drell's job. Then Pastor L will step up. Might cost Pastor Ella's job. Then Joseph will step up. Might cost Joseph. Joseph didn't know this, but Joseph will step up. (laughs) And then one of you might have to step up. Are you ready to step up? If we have to go to underground churches, are you ready to step up? I am. Don't forsake the gospel, guys. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back right on time. And he said, these things will happen. 
So don't be surprised. Be grieved. I'm grieved. I'm very grieved that, that a pastor wants to wear a collar to show little children, but this is how the enemy works. They, they go for the children. They don't go for the adults. They go for the children to try to teach the children, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Just find that divine inspiration within you and be what you think you should be. It's not okay. It's not okay. Father, we thank you and praise you for the days we're living in. Your son these days would be upon us, and here we are. Here we are, Lord. We're here. We're living it. That's exciting, but it's grieving. And Lord, families are divided over this, even as your word said, that children will deliver up their parents, and parents will deliver up their children for taking a stand for the gospel. Father, we're living in first century church. What a privilege, Lord. What a privilege to be able to say, God loves you. God loves you. But God does not condone your lifestyle. Jesus died for you. And he desires to have a personal relationship with you. But you cannot bring the world with you. You cannot be one word, one foot in the world and one foot in the word. It doesn't work. You have to surrender. We have to surrender our hearts, all of our hearts, our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind to salvation in order to be saved. Father, we pray for anyone in this room that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they would accept Jesus as their Savior because they're going to die. Ten out of ten people still die. And Lord, we don't want them to die without Jesus. That they would come forward and ask Jesus to be their Savior. That they would acknowledge, I need a Savior. Lord, for anyone that's backslidden in this room, watching on the internet, that they would repent this morning, right now, they would repent and get right with you. That they would not play church. They would not just be trying to be a a secret Christian hoping to skate into heaven. But that they would repent and be ready to take a stand when you call us to take a stand. Because we know, as your word says, you will give us more of the Holy Spirit at that appointed time. You will give us more of your Holy Spirit as we rely upon your Holy Spirit. Fathers, we go forth into our mission field this week. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We cannot do this on our own. We need more of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we gather for maybe an event tonight or wherever the case may be this week, help us to be good living examples, Lord. Help us to be different in a loving way, not a weird way, just a loving way. That people might ask us, hey, why? Why don't you do this or why don't you do that? Father, we thank you for this exhortation by Paul, Lord. Even though he claims that he's speaking foolishly, he's not. He's just sharing his testimony. It's his testimony. We all have a testimony. Are we going to allow persecution to be a part of that testimony? Or are we going to flee from it? Help us, Lord, to allow it to become a part of our testimony for your glory and honor. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, 
how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.